0: Well, this morning, I'm going to try to move through um, what I want to share this morning as quickly as I can since we've got limited time. Um, I feel like the Lord has put on my heart today to just talk about some good things that happened last year and then talk about a few things, some good things that's going to happen this year uh, because we need to celebrate and we need to thank the Lord. And I know 2018 was rough for a lot of people. Uh, it wasn't the funnest of years, but God was still in it. Absolutely. And um, whether I feel like it or not, I want to praise Him. Yeah. Just like Mike said this morning, you know, just because emotions are powerful and strong doesn't mean we live by them. Amen. And and before I even start that message, I, I want to make a statement um, because it hurt my heart when I heard it, you know, and I know it has a lot of you. Um, but what has happened in New York and the legalization of murder of a child up until the day it's born. And I just, I want to say, I want to be on the record in heaven and on earth that I fully and completely condemn that law. It is the most horrendous, despicable, murderous, and demonic thing that has ever come out in legislation that I can remember. And I condemn it in the name of Jesus And I pray right now, Father, God, I am so sorry for our brothers and sisters in New York. I am sorry, God, forgive us. Forgive us. Forgive our nation. Forever legalizing abortion. God, I'm sorry for my ancestors who didn't have the courage to say no. And so today, God, I stand as a witness to say I condemn it. I condemn abortion, God, in the name of Jesus. And I pray, God, that you, Lord, would do and move on this nation. You would remove this this demonic stain and this demonic blemish that is on us as a people. I pray today, God, that you would forgive us. Forgive us for the sin, God. And I pray for the end of abortion in this nation in the name of Jesus. Forgive us, God. Have mercy. Please, Lord. Move on the hearts of the Christians in New York State. God, move on their hearts, please. We can't be passive. We can't take a back seat, God. I pray, Lord, that you would raise up men and women with an anointing. To destroy this demonic high place. God, set yourself against that spirit in the name of Jesus. A spirit that would cause people to sacrifice their children unto it. God, set yourself against that spirit. In the name of Jesus. And I want to say that if you've experienced an abortion that there is forgiveness and there's healing. But I also want to say that if you're okay with that, if you call yourself a Christian and you think it's okay to have a choice, I want to I say to you to look deep into your soul and make sure that you have the God of the Bible inside of you. Because Judgment Day will be the wrong day to figure that out. Okay. Now that we got that out of the way. 2018, is it ready? 2018, we had so many good things happen. You know, in 2018, we had salvations, we had baptisms, we had people baptized in the Holy Spirit. We had tons and tons of emotional healing. One of the things I'm so proud of, Bob and Jenny Hughes, they got certified as Healing House Network. Yeah, thank the Lord for that. And thanks to all the messed up people we have here that gave them all the practice they needed, me included, Eric too, (laughs) he got to practice a lot, a lot, a lot. We've had physical healings last year. We've seen uh, people who've carried a marriage dream for so long. See that come true. Yeah. Dennis Kramer came and he prophesied to our church again. And he, he said some really important things to us. And I just, it's so important I want to say it again. Again. When he prophesied, he said, God began to impress upon me how pleased he is about you. The Lord was very pleased with this church, that he has built this church on a firm foundation, and that foundation is Jesus Christ. God is really, really pleased. Say that with me. God is really, really pleased. Not only has he been with you, but he will be with you. And I'm supposed to tell you that he is going before you, beginning today, and he will map out the direction for you as a church. And the Lord told me to tell you, just have fun. There, Let's laugh at that. Let's have fun. Just have fun. I have had a sense that he is so pleased and even overjoyed, that's the Lord, overjoyed, with what you have become as a church, and I am supposed to tell you that you have his approval. That's a big deal. He is supporting you, and he has been with you, and he will be with you. You may know all these things, but I think, and I'm prophesying to you, that you are on the right track. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep going where you're going. I am supposed to tell you that the government has been on his shoulders, and on the increase of that government, there will be no end. So he's in charge of the landscape. He's in charge of this church and he is pleased with you. Keep doing what you're doing. You have his endorsement. And I want you to know that he's endorsing you. He's standing behind you and you can expect him to vindicate you in every area. Let him stand behind you and vindicate you. The Lord told me to tell you he's got your back. What do you mean he's got your back? He's in your corner. Any way you want to put it, he's got your back. This needs to be of great relief to you to say it. That's great relief. great relief. It's great relief to you that he's got your back. He's with you, he's for you, he loves you, he likes you. And I'm standing in a healthy, vibrant, alive New Testament church. And you are not apologetic for the supernatural. Amen. You welcome welcome the apostolic. You embrace the prophetic. You speak in tongues and you're not embarrassed. Don't apologize for your DNA. We are who we are. It's our DNA. Don't apologize for your spiritual DNA. Don't make excuses for it. Don't apologize for it. Do not compromise over it. Be who you are. If you're a tongue talker, increase in your daily tongue talking. If you're prophetic, uh, like the youth woman going to Russia, I think that was Shelley. Prophesy over everything that moves. God is with you. God is for you. God likes you. God loves you. You're a healthy, vibrant New Testament church. This morning, angels are listening into what's happening here in Newcastle. And demons and devils are outside listening in, and they're scared to death about what God is doing. They are listening in on what's going on in, through, and to the church. This is where it's happening. This is where the wisdom of God is being made known. This is where you want to be. This is ground zero. This is the hot seat, amen? This is where it all started, and this is where it will all end in the church. In case you didn't know it, we are in the church age. This church needs to begin to train the next generation of deacons. We need to begin to train the next generation. There is a flow to worship. There is a flow to the prophetic. It's easy to move from one to the other and back again. And he said, your mission statement, you need to know your mission statement. It's awesome. I honestly think every church should have that mission statement. Can someone say amen? Amen. God is speaking. He's spoken so many good things that God is doing. Amen. We've had uh, the, the prophetic team and did such an amazing job uh, helping several of our youth discover some of their, their gifts. Amen? Amen? New people have, been, uh, have moved into new areas of servanthood last year. We got some increase in children's. We got new teachers in children's ministry, right? Yep. Clayton, thank you. Yeah, man. We even put Shelly Hansen on the payroll. That's how much we're increasing. That was last year. We've had victories, testimonies, growth in so many areas. More than I'm able to name or even remember. But you know, this past year was not an easy one. God warned us about distractions. God told us to not let our summer be leisure as normal. He told us to fast, and to press in, and He began to press us about the fear of the Lord in our lives. He challenged us to make the fear of the Lord the thing that guides our parenting decisions, the thing that guides our business decisions, the thing that guides how we deal with our relationships and how we treat one another, guides us on how to handle our marriages and and how to guide us in the choices that we make with friends, our lifestyle choices. It was supposed to touch everything. The fear of the Lord. The Lord even warned us about not being a Martha. Don't be worried and distracted about so many things that we needed to be a Mary, that we needed to be fascinated and in awe of who Jesus is. You know, we watched as so many people struggled and carry on with the distractions and the worries of life. You know, Michelle and I, we had to press into the Lord and to the fear of the Lord last year, and we had to to do a tune-up on our marriage. It wasn't an easy year, not for a lot of us. I don't even know where I'm at on here. There we go, we're not there yet. And then we had the fall and we were hoping and praying. And as we set ourselves apart through the summer that something amazing could happen in the fall. We hoped and prayed there would be a great breakthrough of victory. And instead it was the beginning of our sifting. All of a sudden relationships started struggling People started pulling away from each other, pulling away from the church. Marriages under assault, starting to crumble. And yet God was treating us as sons and daughters. As he began to discipline us like a loving father does. And then the distractions of the summer, um, they were becoming full-blown crises for some. The enemy was given permission to sift us to find out what we were made of. What did we really believe? We ended up dealing with the spirits of Jezebel and Ahab because they were assaulting us. There were several uh, where children and youth were dealing with depression and suicide and drugs and alcohol and poor lifestyle choices. And then December came, and it was a rough month. More relationships started blowing up. (coughs) Eric got sick with histoplasmosis, and we started fighting for his health. Um, and I remember feeling such deep sorrow as I, as I watched Eric, my friend, my partner in ministry, fight for his life, So we all prayed for him. And I, I remember just through the, the emotional fatigue of all of it, this feeling in my own, I, I was, I had a sense of fatigue and burnout, as. You know, I had not even taken a vacation day, one vacation day last year. That's my fault, but I didn't take a single vacation day. You know, and I tried to take a couple of days off at Christmas, but even then I was getting phone calls about how people in the church were blowing up. and You know, it's so obvious how the enemy steals from us. last year, you know, we took the ministry team, we did a leadership profile to learn about our strengths and and areas where we need to grow. And in my profile, one of the areas that I need to grow in was balancing work and family. Imagine that. Now, if you know me, I love Christmas time. I love it. I love celebrating the birth of Jesus. And I know it's not on December 25th. It's not that day. Save me the time. (laughs) I know. But it's the time we choose to celebrate it. That's what I'm into. But I love, I love Christmas time. I love celebrating the birth and the coming of Emmanuel. I love holiday gatherings and parties. I love how my wife turns our home into a winter wonderland of Christmas bliss. <laughs> love it. Seriously, could be on any HG channel with what she does in my home. It is so amazing, and I love it, and we keep adding more every year. It is going to get so gaudy in our two-little-bedroom shack of a home. There's not going to be a wall without Christmas, and it's, it's I can't wait. I love going to the movie theater at Christmas. I love seeing the holiday shows that come out. I love Christmas music, love it. Yes. yes, come on, Christmas music, people. Because there are a lot of haters in this church, if you didn't know. A lot of haters, and we're praying for you. Joy to the stinking world, okay? I love it. I love every, all things. I just, I, I, I love it. And so, December is, is one month that I just, I want to slow down a little bit, I want to slow down, spend a little extra time with my family and my friends, and wouldn't you know, it rarely happens, (laughs) you know in fact the last two Decembers have been awful, if you remember in 2017, I was in such excruciating back pain. Wasn't at church for the whole month. Couldn't go to church. I couldn't do anything but do my rehab. That was a stinky December. This past December, Eric got sick. People problems skyrocketed. And and even I had problems even in my extended, my personal family. You know, not that we all don't have problems. (laughs) But come on. It's December. Stop it. Quit acting like a big stinker. And so the enemy was in high gear and he was sifting all of us. Some of us are still being sifted. I know. Some of us are still dealing with the consequences of bad decisions. Some of us still have major messes that need to be cleaned up. And so as the year was finishing up, 2018, probably the highlight and the redeeming moment was I, got to, I went to a conference. I went to the One Thing Conference in Kansas City at IHOP. Took a group of my spiritual kids and we packed up and left. I'm like, I'm out of here. And we went to go encounter the Lord. When we arrived, I attended a leadership summit that was before the actual conference. And I, at this leadership summit for the the day and a half, I began to hear about a major reset happening in IHOP. Um, I sat and I listened as Lou Engle, Alan Hood, Mike Bickle, and other leaders from around the world uh, talk about some of the severe trials and testing that they were personally going through. I listened as they talked about God bringing a correction to the church and to IHOP, and then after the leadership summit was over, um, we then had the the actual conference start, and we heard more about the change that was coming. We heard leaders preach, and they talked about the very same things that we had been talking and teaching here. It was so amazing. So encouraging to hear the confirmation. You know, Alan Hood literally talked about the sifting that was going on in the body of Christ and in his personal life. One leader declared a word that struck me to my core, and, and I just I want to deliver it to us today as a prophetic word, because it helped me understand. What a lot of us are going through. And and this was the word. The Father says, I will not tolerate the dysfunction of my family any longer, and I will remove the grace that is covering their weaknesses. And, and what, what, was, what it was being said is that the Lord in this season is removing the grace that covered our long time. And everybody say long time. Long time, long time sins. And he's replacing it with grace to now finally overcome them. I'm going to repeat that. The Lord in this season is removing the grace that covered our long-time sins and is replacing it with the grace to overcome them. That means the dysfunction of our relationships are not going to be tolerated. It means that sins that we have allowed to exist because of abuses of grace in our lives are being brought to light so that we can be empowered to overcome them. See, what was covered in the past is not going to be tolerated in this next season. And that was a very heavy but hopeful word. And I remember going to my knees that day and repenting for things that I have allowed too much grace in my life. And I believe this is the word of the Lord for us. In the sifting. God is calling us to repentance and to lean into the grace to overcome. Instead of abusing the grace that covers. Another powerful statement that was made at the conference was. The dysfunction about concerning the dysfunction of relationships. And it was this. We can't play it safer than Jesus. People will betray, deny, and walk away from us. I've never thought of it like that. Cause, and, and really it hurt. It hurt to even see or hear that because I have tried to play it safer than Jesus when it comes to Relationships. You see, I, I've believed a lie that I could avoid most of the trouble and pain of being in a relationship with people. Well, let's laugh at that. Go ahead. Laugh out loud. When in fact, Jesus himself, who was perfect, anyone know that, right? Perfect guy. Perfectly loved everyone. Perfectly accepted, perfectly dealt with everyone in the most perfect way. Never made a mistake. Still had his very best and closest friends deny him and walk away. Only, only for him to come back to those who betrayed him and love them back into his arms. That's the guy we're modeling our life after. And and before we get too self-righteous and start thinking about how everyone's betrayed me. Yes, I'm like Christ. Jesus. He's everyone's betrayed me. I'm I'm hurt for no reason at all. No reason at all. Why anyone's thought or said anything mean or done anything. Before we get too righteous, let's let's have a moment of humility and let's start thinking about the people we have hurt. The people we've betrayed the people we've walked away. And then let's let's return to them. Let's embrace them. Let's restore them back into relationship. Another thing that was said was that God is restoring family. I want a bigger amen than that. God is restoring family. They talked about at the conference the need for spiritual fathers and mothers to raise up. Yes. One leader said, he said this. it was really good. He said, "One man cannot father an entire church. One man cannot father." An entire, he, said, he says, I'm glad that my kids manage their own families. Because he was a grandpa. He had a, a son and daughter, and they had families. And he said, I'm, I'm so glad I don't have to manage their families for them. He said, they need to have spiritual mothers and fathers. One man can't father an entire church. That's called an orphanage. One or two or three people trying to touch everyone, father everyone. That's an orphanage. That's not what we're raising up here, is it? That is not what we're doing. You know, when, when, when we think just a couple of people can do all the fathering and mothering, we end up with an orphanage. A true family is generations of fathers and mothers who raise up children who then become fathers and mothers. When we think about the sacrifice of Jesus, we can truthfully say that God sowed His Son so that He could reap a family. He sowed a son so He could reap a family. And even the scriptures declare the eternal nature of God's fatherhood. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 says, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Everlasting Father, that's the name he's had before he was a creator. There's no everlasting creator. You won't find that in the Bible. This is it. He's always been a father. He always wanted a family. That was always his plan. From his his eternal, infinite, never beginning, whatever that means, he's been a father. And so God's restoring that in a major way were some other things that were declared and I just want to just hit them real quick that we heard at the one thing conference if you want to snap pictures be quick but again these things we're becoming a family of affection we got we we have to be without guile and unoffendable we've got to build at the speed of healthy relationships building at the speed of trust so many people are running on fumes and they're not doing anything about it. We've got to become truly focused on one thing again and removing the distractions. I mean, this was at the conference. So important is to manage both our emotions and our opportunities. That's the challenge and invitation before us. Martha wasn't able to handle either. Man, that was such a deep Teaching moment, and I'm just giving you the highlight, but think about that. The church at Ephesus had everything going for it, but but over time they strayed from their first love. We are being warned to reset. Will one thing actually be the thing that we run after? Everyone having a place at the table, and the table stretches to eternity, beckoning people to come and take their place. We need you not just want you, we need you. God is revamping our hearts. This reset is primarily a work of and in the heart. What's the number way we can simplify in 2019 to make first things first and to love people better? The spirit of family breaks the orphan spirit and the spirit of control. Someone say amen. Amen. The true kingdom of God moves at the speed of healthy relationships. This was a great teaching about how to build unity. And he just gave four, four little steps. He said, number one, do what you can do together. Number two, intentionally make friends. Three, allow and celebrate differences. And then four, love and actually tell people you love them. That's how you build unity. Then they talked about diversity has to move from a mere sentiment and a mental assent to intentional need. We aren't complete without you. Amen. And then we've got to slow down. Slow down. And it was time to get real. Dealing with our shame, dealing with years of failure and mistakes, it's time to confess our sins to one another And we need a Holy Spirit breakthrough. They said there's a difference between a prayer room and the upper room. The upper room was filled with broken men desperate for God. And then they show this website, which I thought was really cool. It's called ChristReady.org. And this is, this thing has popped up. And it's an organization that's focused on helping churches become disaster ready. And they have this really unique blueprint for how to mobilize and unite churches when it comes to disasters. It's a really cool model. Corey Russell, he shared in a related message to the sifting that has been going on, and it was was this profound message, and one of the powerful statements he made was the church is crying, fix it, fix it, fix it. But the Lord is crying, feel it, feel it, feel it. He's delivering us from plastic prayers. God is bringing us back to priestly waiting. Feel it and enter into the wrestling. I got more to say about that, but I'm not. We're going to move. Returning to friendship with God. Francis Chan showed up out of the blue. He wasn't even a speaker. He just like, I want to be here because of what's going on. And they're like, here's your mic. <laughs> Whatever you want to say, you have to go ahead and say it. So he showed up, and this he had this download about being slow to speak and quick to listen. It seems like too often we're clamoring to speak. Um, again, deliver us from the need to have or speak many words to try and cover up for our barrenness. That was so good. Deliver us not, uh, deliver us from the desire of prominence. Deliver us out of many things and into the one thing needed. We have to realize that silence is not dead space. What's really happening? The Lord is delivering the prayer movement. He's repairing faulty foundations that have hurt us. He's dismantling strongholds and exposing blind spots of our movement. And this one was so good. Jesus is the only leader who kills a movement in order to bur the movement. Whew. Wow. So, those were just some of the highlights, some of the amazing things we heard. And, and I, you know, I, again, I spent most of my time uh, with tears in my eyes, repenting as I watched God break in and He began to shift hearts and reawaken vision and declare new directions. And then um, at the beginning of the last session of the conference, which was our New Year's Eve bash, a guy came up to me and he introduced himself to me. He had introduced himself to me earlier and you know, he was just being friendly and then he walked on. Um, later he walked past me again and said, Hi. Like, hey, how's it going? And and then later he walked by me again and then he finally came back like a third or fourth time and, and he said, Listen, I can't stop thinking about you And so <laughs> I'm like, I was wondering why you're stalking me, you know. Just kept having this giddy smile as he waved every time. I was like, can I help you? He's like, no, I'm about to help you. (laughs) And so he said, I can't stop thinking about you. The Lord wants me to give you a word. And he said this. He said, "Uh, you've been laboring, 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 and your church has been laboring, 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 and the Lord is pleased. There it is again. Thank you, Lord. The Lord is pleased with the work you've been doing. But the Lord says there's coming a great harvest to the Church of Jesus. And that God was going to bring many, many souls into the kingdom through us. And I felt such a peace and a confirmation in my spirit and I appreciated, you know, that the Lord has seen our labors and that he was going to bring in a harvest through us, not in spite of us. There's going to be a lot of Christians that Lord's going to move in spite of. This cannot be one of those places. And so he prayed for me, and he left, and, and then after that, the service started, and we Rocked and praised the Lord with the new, brought in the new year with praise and worship. And that was the end of December 2018. (laughs) Oh, yes, glory. (laughs) Everyone say, glory. Oh. Oh. And so, even though I felt like most of my December was robbed, and so was some of yours, I want to say that that is not the final word. That is not the final word for any of us. The enemy wanted to destroy our faith through the sifting. But Jesus himself, he's praying for us. He's been interceding for you. He's called your name out to the Father The perfect intercessor who has perfect alignment of purpose and will for our lives was speaking to God this whole time about you. He was praying that our faith would not fail. And as we were and are going through the sifting, the Lord began to speak to me about a deficiency in my life. And in the life of our church, he started revealing to me how little joy is in my life. How little joy is in so many of your lives. And he convicted me of of how poorly that we've done equipping this church to have joy. In the midst of trials and in the midst of suffering. Because we've run around so much saying, fix it, fix it, fix it. You know, the Lord said to me, He said, you've done an amazing job of helping people get free from emotional and spiritual bondage. But you haven't equipped people on how to have joy as they walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And again, the Lord confirmed this because he was speaking this to me in, back in November and I, I said something to Eric about it and Shelly and, and here we are at the conference and the Lord's confirming it all over again because that, that was the message of, of Corey Russell at one thing. You know, The church is crying, fix it, fix it, fix it. God's saying, feel it, feel it, feel it. And, and, and I, I realize that I have and we have virtually no theology for suffering. That was like a chirp, chirp, cricket moment right there. Yeah. We have no deep revelation on stuff like James 1, 2 that says, Count it out joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. 1 Peter 1, 6. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. And so as God has revealed this to my heart, this conviction, I wanna, I just wanna repent. I want to repent to you, our church family, for not being a leader full of joy. You know, for most of my life, as an older child, teenager, young adult, I've struggled with bouts of mild to moderate depression. You know, and there's come a, I think I've developed this comfortability, this familiarity with being melancholy. So I've allowed it to shape my personality a little bit. I've allowed it to shape me more than joy. You know, I, in many ways, have allowed myself permission to not cultivate joy in my life and so I want to repent for that I ask you for I ask your forgiveness for not pursuing joy like I should and as the Lord brought this to me He also showed me that we as a church need to make this one of our top goals in this coming year speaking to 2019 now joy in our lives and in the life of this church is going to be a major pursuit this year Romans 14, 17 says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy and the Holy Spirit. One third of the kingdom is joy. One third. If we are going to demonstrate the kingdom, If we're going to, if if we're to demonstrate the kingdom reality that we know, then joy needs to mark our lives. It needs to mark my life. It needs to mark yours. Now, we're going to talk more about this later, but this year, God has called us to pursue joy. Another thing, as we entered the sifting last year, the Lord showed me and a few others. It I remember people coming to me and was talking to me, and, and the Lord began to reveal about how we need lots of work on what it means to be the family of God. You know, as I watched people walk away from relationships, people stopped coming to church, people believing lies about who the real enemy was. People hiding from those who love them. God said, we need to redig the foundation of family." Amen. And then we go to one thing again. again, we're at one thing at the conference, and guess what they're talking about? Amen. Family. And so I want to repent again, because I have been guilty of fathering a vision. But I have not done a great job of fathering a church family. You know, spiritual fathering is something that I've struggled with since the beginning of our church. My struggle has always been with my young age. I was 25 when I helped plant this church, most of the people I was leading were older than me. Most of the people, honestly, I was fathering were people who were my own age and and older. That feels awkward. You know, if I'm completely honest, part of my problem is I never even wanted to be a spiritual father. I wanted to be a brother. I wanted to be a friend, a mentor, a coach. You know, any of those would have been fine. I only wanted to be those things. And of course, you know, it didn't help that I haven't really had great examples of fathering in my own life. And so it just helped to push that, that thing away. In fact, I avoided being called a spiritual father or even calling myself a father for many years. I mean, it's really just been in recent years that I've grown in fathering. But overall, I don't think I've done a great job. I fathered a vision, not so much a church family, and so I repent, and again, I'm asking you to forgive me. So I believe that the Lord is saying this year to cultivate joy, to reestablish the foundation of family, both natural families and a spiritual family and what it means to be the family of God. And the other thing we're going to do is we're going to get outside the four walls of this church this year. Yeah, go ahead and get excited about that. Because we cannot reap a harvest if we just wait inside this great big cement box. Just wait for him to come. And and listen, I know we have lots of prophecies of young people lined up out the door and filling the parking lot. I know. But none of that gives us permission to not go into the community and make a difference. None of it. You know, there's some questions I I ask myself when I think about our church and our impact and what are we and what do we do. There's some questions I, I ask myself. And I think we need to ask ourselves this year and have answers. If new, I asked myself, if New Covenant went away, who would miss us in our city? I know a lot of you would. You'd be devastated. You'd be hurt. Your family is gone. But would the city miss us at all? What problems are we solving in our community when it comes to the next generation? Are we solving any problems for them? And what problems on a large scale are we solving in our city? I hope you think about these questions because you're a part of this church. I'm not this church. What I do is one little tiny bit of this church. Well, Don, what are you doing in the community? I'm equipping you to go. That's my job. So if we could take New Covenant out and just say, if I went away, who would miss us in the city? What problems am I solving in the community when it comes to the next generation? What problems am I solving in our city? This is your home. This is is it. This is ours. God, put us here. Now, I can put a plan together and tell you to go, but if you don't go, that's your fault. This is our city. These are our problems. Yeah, I'm not selling drugs. I get it. I'm not doing them either. (laughs) Let's just say that. (laughs) Neither buying nor selling. But this is my city. This is your city. We've got to get out, and we are. (laughs) We're going to get out. I have to take a paddle to your backside and get you out the door. We are going to swat you out. Don't you ever sit in this church and do nothing ever again. (laughs) Come on. Anybody else been spanked like that? Thank you. All right. I told you never, ever did that ever again. If we went away, who would miss us? Who's, who's going to miss you besides your kids and your friends? Who? We're going to get out. We're going to get busy loving the lost this year. We're going to do it. Now listen, I know I've named a lot of things this morning. A lot of things we need to overcome. A lot of things that we need to become. But naming something is not the same is doing something it's not the same we can't just talk about this stuff and then feel good about noticing we have to do something and we have to overcome these things we have to repent There's some things I think we need to repent for. We need to repent for abusing grace. For allowing relationships to dissolve. For not dealing with the distractions of the summer and even now. Being worried about a lot of things. We need to repent for not spending enough time in awe at the feet of Jesus through the week. So Clayton, go ahead and put some music on and I just want to finish with this and I know we're over but we're going to do business with the Lord right now. And again, as I've repented and I ask you to forgive me, I pray that you extend that. But all of you probably need to repent for something. And if you can get on your knees and bend down at your seat, please do that. I think it's a humble posture. If you physically can't, then don't. But if you physically can, please. I want us to today start our own reset. Let's start our own reset. Today, for re- by repenting for what God puts in your heart to repent of. If you allowed yourself to get distracted, then repent. If you've been abusing grace and not dealing with issues or sins, repent. If you've allowed relationships to, to break up and to break apart, then repent. We're just going to spend a few minutes... And as you feel released, you may leave. This is the end of the service. Father, I pray right now that we would all, God, allow the brokenness to touch us, to feel it, to feel it, to feel it, that we might repent and humble ourselves before you today, God. As you finish doing business with God, please take your conversation out into the foyer. Be blessed.